So uh, his question is why many gurus, uh, historically and otherwise, they build temples. Is there any cosmic significance? One is yes, there is a cosmic significance. The energies of the guru should li live beyond his body. And the, the awakened energies of the guru should uh, be there even when the guru is not physically present in that place. Third, it's a humble way of keeping the world at large focused. You know why? In a Guru's Thaan, in a Guru place, if the Guru doesn't direct his devotion to some God, then everybody will start to... Will have, everybody will turn that Guru into God. And that distances you from Dharma. So a Guru should take a second place not the first place. First place only belongs to him. That first place is non-negotiable. It's Sri Hari's. But people's love is so great that in their feelings, in their emotions, in their sentiments, in their sense of fulfillment, they often place Guru at the same level. If you are initiated Maybe it is okay, because I did that to my guru, who did that to his guru. Maybe that's a tradition. But if you, otherwise speaking, then if the guru is not going to pray, then on what basis he or she is going to motivate you, inspire you to pray? And it keeps everything grounded, everything humble. Because when devotion raises its, its head, when devotion fountains forth from your consciousness at that time, the first thing that happens is prayer springs forth. And then you need something to pray to. If at that time the Guru isn't foresighted enough to have a deity of some kind, People will start praying to the Guru. And then eventually, the Guru starts to lose touch with the reality. And then the Guru may even become anti-dharma. In the sense, he'll say, yes, just pray to me, no need to pray to any god. Then what will happen to the tradition of, the, the beautiful tradition of religion? So that's why all the great gurus created some form of, of a, a place. Maybe those who believe in just energy, maybe they created uh, spaces for meditation and so on. But Sri Hari is very real. The existence of Divine Mother is as real as anything you can possibly imagine. So I live in their world, they live in my world, I must acknowledge that fact, I must give them their due credit, 
I must revere them throughout my life and I find great joy in it. Just like if you love your parents, one day when you have your own family, somewhere in your home will be their picture. So you can tell your children or anybody who visits you, oh, these are my parents. Similarly, it's just a simple acknowledgement that they exist. Mother Divine or Shri Hari or like Hari and Shri, they're absolutely real. They can change the course of your life in the blink of an eye. Even that is an understatement. Before you can blink, they can change the course of billions of life forms and planets. The time it takes to close and open your eyes, 14 planes of existence, existence are created and destroyed multiple times. So I think uh, the world will do good even I think I touched upon it earlier in Christianity, for example, you are considered a saint at least three or seven years after your death. They will examine your life, they will make sure you lived the life of a saint. And then you're canonized or given that title. And the world could do with some more purity, the world could do with some more truth, the world could do with some more honesty. And uh, one can never be humble enough. Humility is, is, it doesn't matter how much you have, you can be more humble. And I find great joy in, in doing my work quietly rather than um, taking a pedestal of some kind. I believe in helping people quietly. That's my modus operandi, if you will. And ha that's how he does it as well. A vigraha never makes an announcement. Never. So that's the way nature operates. Just does what it's supposed to do without making you feel bad that, look, I did this for you and what are you doing for me? And so on. Why is there so much uh, animosity between... <laughs> oh, sorry, you said love, okay. Why is there so much love between a guru and a disciple? Um, the guru becomes, sometimes takes over every aspect of your life, why that is the case. I think <clears throat> it's a relationship like no other. It's simple, because it's not transactional. It's a, in a true guru-disciple relationship, it's unconditional. So if my love for you is unconditional, there are plenty of people um, who love me just as unconditionally. Whether their desires are fulfilled or not, whether there are downturns in their life, they still continue to show up and express their devotion, express their love, regardless of what's going on in their lives. Which clearly shows it's not transactional. They, they didn't uh, come to me thinking if our, this desire is fulfilled or this condition is fulfilled, then uh, you are our guru, 
otherwise uh, we'll go around shopping. So <coughs> I remember at the time of Naga Baba as well, uh, it's just really uh, an amazing feeling if you can fall in love with your Guru. Not everybody experiences it for sure. Uh, not everybody feels the same way. Many come to test, many come to just um, get a question answered, many come to get their problems fixed. But there are some few people, a few, who, uh, who are in it for the, the beauty of it. And it was really one of the most beautiful things serving him and, and taking care of him and doing whatever he would ask of me. It's a relationship like no other. To have a living person to whom you can surrender. This mind is always talking, this brain is always uh, chatting away. To have a living guru, I'm sharing my feeling. To have a living guru where in whose presence you don't have to do any thinking. You just do what he or she has said you to do. It just completes the whole thing. Nothing else is left. There is no stress. You don't have to do any thinking. You just have to execute. He's made the operating plan. He's made the standard operating procedure for your life. He's, he's carved out the path for you. All you have to do is keep walking. So that's why I think uh, it's really one of the most beautiful possibilities uh, that exist in, in the human race. That's my answer. In sadhana, there are three kinds of uh, gurus. There are, you have divyog, you have siddhog, and you have manvog. If I could tell a bit more about those gurus, this is actually a concept of Shri Vidya. So there is only a limited exposition I can give on this because it's supposed to be given to the initiates. But that's not to say there is some great mystical secret in it that I'm trying to hide. It's very simple. There are some gurus who have attained the status of divine. They will not come in their bodies and help a sadhaka. They'll not come in their body, physical body, and help a sadhaka. Then you have siddhas. Siddhas are accomplished beings who are liberated souls, who are connected with a lineage. They repeatedly come and help a seeker on the path. Then you have Manavag. Manavag is the documented lineage. So the living guru, as well as maybe his or her guru, and the lineage that is documented, those who are historically known to be in human body at some point in time. They are Divyag, Siddhag, and Manva. 